Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 8, The Other Guys. I remembered this one. You did. I did. But I loved it. Me too. I like this one. It's fun. I know. It's. I think I must have remembered it because this, like, is one of my favorites. It's, it was so, I remember us talking about it, like, the first time I watched it. Ah, Okay. With 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 some of the funny lines like that oh, once yeah. once they were said I was like oh that's right I remember yes. us laughing about that before let's do it again. so many so many good quips in this one yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. I get to who wrote this one because they were brilliant okay so this episode originally aired on August second two thousand two it was written by first time writer Damian Kindler this was his mm. first script for the show uh, directed by Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we have Martin Wood, James Titchener, and Christopher Judge. <gasps> Yay. First time writer. Yes. Like, he'd been a producer for a while, and then this was, like, his first pitch. And apparently Martin was like, that's brilliant. Yes, please do it. Okay. So, no wonder it was a very different tone that we had never yes. seen before. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. Okay. Proceed. Okay. So in this episode, when SG-1 is captured by the Gould, a pair of scientists mount a rescue operation, whether they're wanted or not. So one of the things they talk about a bit in the commentary sort of throughout is that there was a concern that this episode could fall into the sort of wormhole extreme category of criticism in that this episode isn't about SG-1, really. Which, you know, is is a valid concern, but also when you want to do something in this tone, you have to bring in other characters to do it because you can't have SG-1 doing this crazy, silly stuff. Which, it's not even really fun. It's not, like, intentionally funny. It's just them, these types of people trying to do this thing. The situation is just inherently funny and silly. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Martin and Chris both go into talking about it here and there and how it was for Chris as the actor and all this stuff. But, you know, in the end, everybody really liked it. Everybody thinks it worked. I like it. I think it worked. I know some people don't because it is very, like, sort of out in left field for how this show typically is. But I liked it. Yeah. Well, I think it was also a good idea to have the plot line kind of as a throwaway, too. Like, it doesn't add really to the larger storyline that they're getting out of the season. So, it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if they had if they had included some major details from the ongoing storyline, it might have been different. But the fact that they didn't, it was like, oh, okay, we're we're taking a break. Well, I mean, they are try- uh, going to meet with this guy to get information about Anubis, who is the big bad of the season. I mean, yes, but it wasn't. Like, if you didn't watch this episode for some for whatever reason, like, you mm. didn't miss anything. Okay, that's true, yeah. Although this episode did happen, it is not all a dream fantasy by Felger. Oh. <laughs> which we'll get, to, we'll get to that at the end, but the, the, yeah. the events of this episode did happen because they are referenced in other episodes. So yes, this episode is true and did happen in the world of this show. They so. do kind of make that seem gray. Yes. And that was one thing Martin was like, yeah, we kind of maybe didn't do that. So great. He admits that's, you know, 
maybe a little bit of a failing in how it was shot or edited or something that, yeah, they could have made that mm-hmm. a little more clear that like, yes, this happened, this did not. Right. So we start on a Gould occupied world and we see the large like pyramid ship palace in the background and inside a Jaffa, who is this Gould's first prime, Harak, enters the throne room of Lord Khonsu, who charges Harak with capturing certain valuable enemies who he has recently learned the location of. He has learned the location of a group known to the Tari as SG-1. So a couple of fun facts here. First, one of the weapons on the wall behind Khonsu is a Klingon Batleth which is oh. the, fir- the first of many Star Trek references in this episode, which yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Also, Harak is actual is a real name. It's of Arabic origin and means the glory of Hera or divine glory. Mm, okay. Uh, would you also like some fun facts about Kansu? Sure. So Kansu is the Egyptian god of the moon. His name means traveler, which is most likely in reference to like the moon moving across the sky. He was instrumental in the creation of new life in all living creatures. And at Thebes, he formed the family triad with his mother, Mutt, and his father, Amun. He protected people who traveled at night and was also invoked to protect against wild animals and to aid with healing. The temple of Kansu at Karnak is actually in really good condition for how old it is. And on one wall, there is a depiction of the creation myth in which Kansu is described as the great snake who fertilizes the cosmic egg in the creation of the world. Right. Uh, the name Kansu may seem familiar these days as Moon Knight of Marvel fame is the avatar for Kansu. So oh, okay. if anybody's like, why do I know that no. name? It might be because Moon Knight. So. Yep. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Got it. So we come back from the opening credits and we are on another planet and we see scientists studying some ghoul technology, including a ring platform. And we learn that every ring transporter that's been studied has the exact same mass. So they make a joke about it, like a factory somewhere, just like mass producing these things, which I think goes into our whole thing about yes! who's the ghoul designer. Where is who's all this the designer? But that is, that is something we never really talked about before and we should have of like, okay, so somebody designed it. Where is all this stuff made? Yeah. Is there like Where a central Gould home Manufacturing world? plant manufacturing or something? Planet? There yeah. must be. Yeah. I would think. Some very like Naquita rich planet out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Uh, so those two scientists then try and get the attention of their co-worker, Jay Felger, who is not looking into the power cell like he's supposed to, but is instead staring at Jack and Tilk, who are standing off a ways. And Felger seems to have a bit of hero worship, which the others tease him about. And so the reason for, I like, all of these Star Trek jokes is because John Billingsley, who plays Simon Coombs, played Dr. Phlox on Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. So that's why. Got it. So it turns out uh, Jack and Tilk are actually talking about Lord Stanley's cup, which <laughs> because, you know, Jack yep. just called it the Stanley cup and Tilk was like, what? And he's like, oh, it's named for Lord Stanley. And he was like, ah, Lord Stanley's cup. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tilk thinks that the Canucks of Vancouver are going to take it all the way to this year. They're going to they're going to win it all. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Which, fun fact, that, like, little blurb from Tilk was, like, played at, like, a whole bunch of Canucks home games that season. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Which, I mean, why not? I would it's do like that. like a yes. battle cry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. Uh, so Jack and Tilk then head over to get some lunch, and Felger kind of plays up what's going on and tries to seem maybe slightly more important than he is, really. And the three of them have a bit of banter over food and how awesome Sam is. 
and Felger tells them it'll probably be a few more days here at least, and then SG-1 can get back to saving the world for the seventh time. Actually, eighth. Yes, Tilk is keeping count. Again. So I got the impression that they were, like, camping on the planet, yes? They yes. They weren't going back and forth. I believe so, yes. All right. Yeah, because they had the, that stash of rations that they opened, that was too much for just, like, a day trip there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in reference to, like, saving the world for the eighth time, fun fact from the Stargate fandom wiki, it's actually been more than that. Would you like oh. the rundown of how many and how and why SG-1 has saved the world? Yes, I would. Okay, so first we start with Hathor. Mm-hmm. You know, she tried to conquer everybody. Then we have uh, in Serpent Slayer, the attack by Apophis and Chlorel. We had message in a bottle, which was that like orb thing that was ba- that sort of bacteria thing that was going to like wipe ah, out yes, yes, yes. all life on Earth. We have family, which is that uh, like bioweapon that Apophis put in Ryak's teeth and then like mm-hmm. brainwashed him. Bane, which is that alien insect thingy. We have a matter of time, which was the black hole being transmitted through the Stargate. We have Sokar attacking in Serpent Song. We have show and tell, which was the invisible Ritu rebels. Another attack by Hathor in Into the Fire. We have foothold with those weird aliens, which are the Strogoth, which kind of like the fish looking dudes a bit. Yeah. Uh, small victories was the replicators in Window of Opportunity. Like they were like trapped in a time loop. So you could maybe that one I'm kind of like maybe half a bit. Mm-hmm. In Enemies, uh, again, more infestation from the Replicators. In 2001, there was the Ashen, who wanted to wipe out all of us. Yep. In Failsafe, there was the Nequita Asteroid. In Menace, again, more Replicators. And then Redemption Part 2, a possible attack by Anubis. So how many is that? That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17... Oh, man. So do we know what Tilk's count is? What Did did somebody figure that out? Um, it also says, of these threats, Jack and Tilk made major contributions to stopping 12 of them. Okay. I don't know. Maybe Tilk doesn't count, like, Hathor <laughs> as one or something. I don't know. But, yeah, Tilk's, Tilk's a little short on how often they've saved the world. <laughs> like, what point. Tilk actually considers is saving the world, probably. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what does Tilk think saving the world? Maybe it's just gold-related ones that he's counting. Oh, that'd be possible. Let's see. Okay, let's count the gold ones. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six. If you Mm. count the replicators, that's seven, eight, um, I thought nine. Is there three replicators? Oh, yeah. So it'd be nine if we include replicators. That's closer, though. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. So, there you go. Yeah. A lot more than eight, at least. Alrighty then. Well done. Well Mm -hmm. done, SG-1. Yes. So, Sam then calls over from the radio. She's by the gate with Jonas and tells Jack that Hammond has sent an urgent message. And they're going to go, like, check that out. And Jack tells Felger to just, like, stay where they are. If they're not back in an hour, just head back to the SGC. Back at camp, apparently an hour has passed and Felger is starting to get worried. The others tease him some more, blah, blah, blah. But at least he's not a dumb Trekkie. Nah. <laughs> so they're going to see if they can get the ring transporter working when an Al Kesh flies overhead. Felger radios to Jack, who tells them to just stay put and head back to the SGC once the coast is clear. There's a battle at the gate as SG-1 fight back against the Jaffa. 
Felger's worried, goes running, and the others chase after him because he's being really dumb right now. And they're like, what? Stop. Don't do what you're going to do. This is stupid. Don't do that. And they get to the top of a sand dune, and it's just in time to see SG-1 being taken prisoner aboard the Al-Kesh. <gasps> no! The scientists get back to camp, and Felger wants to go try and rescue SG-1. And the other two are like, are you insane? That's crazy. We've, they've been specifically instructed to return to the SGC if anything should ever go wrong. And something has gone wrong. Like, if ever a situation has gone wrong, this is this is that situation. Yep. And so Felger's like, well, I'm in charge. And they're like, you have a PhD in math. You're not in charge of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the whole time he's like, this is my moment. Yes. You know, he was that kid that was playing with G.I. Joe's and Transformers in his room. Like acting out yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, he uh, he is also that kid that was totally like the manager of the football team. <laughs> oh yes, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Where he's like, I just want to be around the cool guys and do the cool things because yes. yeah, just, you're <laughs> so cool. Yeah. But Felger's like, okay, fine. Myers, you can head back to the SGC. Tell them what's going on. Felger and Coombs are going to use the rings that they've uncovered to ring up to the mothership that must be in orbit. But if they're going to do that, they have to go now. And they do. Oh, man. Up they go. Okay. And then as soon as Felger and Coombs are on board the mothership and the rings drop, Felger covers his eyes and spins in a circle while firing <laughs> his gun. <laughs> that was amazing. It's <laughs> like, you really have no idea about anything, do you? Okay. And Coombs is like, great. Now everybody knows we're here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So... so- I was a little surprised that they actually had guns and not Zats because with Zat they could like, I mean, yes, you can obviously kill people with them, but initially you're just stunning people. You're not accidentally shooting limbs. Yeah. I imagine because Stargate Command is a military operation, even if you aren't military personnel, I would imagine everybody gets at least basic weapons training because- as we've seen, there are invasions like every other week. Like yep. it would be helpful. Like the more people you have to defend the base, the better. So, and again, we don't know how many Zats the SGC actually has that they can like, loan out to people on missions. So, yeah, but they definitely have guns. So they have True. guns, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Both fun and terrifying at the same time. Yes. So back at the SGC, they're receiving SG-1's IDC, but it's just Myers. He's all out of breath from running, but manages to tell Hammond what's happened, including that Felger and Coombs have gone after SG-1. And Hammond is not happy, Bob. Not happy. No. No. Felger and Coombs are just sort of wandering around the mothership through some vents, getting lost at, like, every turn, basically. Why are the vents shiny? Because it's the gold. Everything is shiny and fancy and flashy. <laughs> they were like mirror shiny. It was nuts. You know some stupid little pissant Jaffa's job is to go and clean the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that people that are infiltrating us can still fit through them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. inspect that. Yes. So in one of the cells, uh, Sam's teasing Jonas about not being happy about this being his first time captured by ghouls. <laughs> I was... They, it was a call. That's that counts. That counts. That counts. I, I put it on our list. I put it on our list. Yay! But, yeah. And he's like, ha ha ha, very funny. 
And he starts wondering if they shouldn't be trying to escape in some way. And Jack just tells him to chill and gives him like a rundown of what happens when one is captured by a ghouled. And here's the Jaffa now cue posturing and threats and where everything's going according to plan. This is what they expect to happen and it's happening. So it's all fine. Mm -hmm. My question here is we soon learn they were captured on purpose. So why is Jonas asking about trying to escape? That's a very good question. Because he knows they're waiting to be taken to the Gould. If they tried to escape, then they wouldn't be taken to the Gould. I don't know. That just confused what, me. What's the actual line that he says? Um, he says, shouldn't we be trying to escape? Okay, so that actually does kind of work in that context. Because if they're all playing a role, if you were playing the role of somebody captured, immediately you would be trying to escape. Oh, I see. So, like, quote-unquote like, trying like, to escape. Right. Like, should oh, we okay. try to escape right now? Like, and they catch us trying to go out a window or something? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what, I think that's where that was going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting thing in the commentary. Uh, so, Martin mentions that he hates those, like, skull caps that the Jaffa wear. And if he had his way, they wouldn't have been in the scene, but they needed it for what happens later with Felger and Coombs. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I hate those things, but we needed them for plot. So there they are. Yep. yep. So Felger and Coombs then exit event and Coombs is getting frustrated and doesn't believe that Felger actually knows where he's going. Felger is sure he does. And they head off down one of the hallways, just like walking off camera, then shortly reappear on screen and head down a different hallway <laughs> because that's comedy. <laughs> yep. And I love... So this was like purposeful direction. Like Martin told um, Patrick McKenna, who plays Felder, to like act all stealthy and sneaky and stuff. And uh, John Billingsley, j- you don't give a fuck. So if you notice, like <laughs> yeah. Felder's always like, you know, doing the little like spy, cre- you know, creeping like close to the wall. And Coombs is just like walking down the middle of the hall. Like, yeah, he doesn't like, care. Yeah. What? No. Yep. Mm-hmm. Back in the holding cell, there's some kind of whistling coming from a vent up near the ceiling. And it's Felger <laughs> and Coombs. This is like one of my favorite all-time Jack lines where he goes, why look, everybody, he's got Coombs with him. Yes, that's what I remember us making fun of before. Yes, it's But so when he shows up and he's like, we're here to rescue you, yeah. like Superman-ish. Don't worry, yes. I've got Coombs. Look, everybody, he's got Coombs with him. It's like, great, we're saved. I no, really, really hope there's outtakes of that. Oh, we real, but I don't know. I don't know either. There has to be. I'm, there must be. I'm sure there must be. Uh, Look, they did everybody. talk. A, mm-hmm. They did talk a bit about how like Patrick and John like improved a lot. Like they got the scene done, but then would occasionally like keep going for a bit. Or like in one scene, Patrick accidentally broke John's glasses, and they just like rolled with it. And he was like, "You broke my glasses!" For like five minutes, they just rift off his glasses being broken so there's got to be like another hour of just outtakes and gags just from this episode alone it's got to be classic comedy duo okay Mm -hmm. yep guess what i'm gonna do later visit youtube (laughs) Woo! okay so yes so felger and coombs are there to rescue sg1 jack's like yeah this is a mission we got captured on purpose and you can see they're just both like Oh, oh, oops. okay. Um, this is awkward. It's very yes. awkward now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, in the commentary, Martin talked about in this scene how he very purposefully didn't do 
sort of tie-in shots where you'd be like shooting over somebody's shoulder to the other people you're shooting to very much keep it separated as like SG-1 and the other guys. Like Mm -hmm. they are separate. They are not together. So that's why, yeah, this scene was shot like that to reinforce that. Yeah, right. So, so what it, what is this mission that they're on? Because this is a very odd mission to allow yourself to be captured by the ghoul. Well, it turns out that Lord Gansu, we saw at the beginning of the episode, is actually a Tok'ra. <gasps> what? They had to fake being captured because only a few Jaffa actually know this, and Gansu has uncovered how and where Anubis is getting all of his advanced technology. Given the sensitive nature of his true identity and this information, he couldn't really trust anyone to just, like, pass on the information to SG-1, so SG-1 had to get taken to him somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the cell opens, and Dolok, one of the free Jaffa, enters, reveals himself along with another Jaffa, and Jack's like, okay, great, where's our weapons? Let's go, let's do this. And they're like, nah, not quite yet. We just want to let you know, hi, we're here. It's all good. We got you. And they then spot Feldrin Coombs hiding behind SG-1, because there's a couple more feet than there should be on the floor. And Jack's like, yeah, can you, like, just stash these guys somewhere till it's all over? And he's like, I will do what I can. Yep. So. so they gave me a thought, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, it would be an interesting plot line sometime for one of the Jaffa to go up to SG-1 and be like, it's okay, I'm Tokra. And totally just, because the way that whole scene went down, he just, mm-hmm. like, started to talk to you and, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'm in on it. And SG-1 was just like, okay. And then... <laughs> that's true yeah they didn't have like a secret password or like a handshake or like something to verify like okay this is on this is happening this is real so they were just like okay can you stash our friends what what do what do you think a sort of password or pass like phrase could be like like the snake dies at dawn or something i don't know but there should be yeah they definitely need a passcode of some sort for sure (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that is ridiculous. I don't know. All right. Well, you keep thinking. I'll continue on with my thing. Okay. okay. So Harak calls to Kansu, who's back at his palace, and Harak asks if he should can if he should start interrogating SG1. And Kansu's like, No, I'll do that myself once they get here. And as they hang up, Harak kind of like sneers to himself, is kind of like, Uh, oh, mm, that's not good when a Jaffa makes that face. Don't like it. Mm. Uh, Dolok takes Felger and Coombs and stashes them in a storage closet and is like, if you leave, you're going to die, so stay here. Yep. So they're back on the planet with Kansu and SG-1 are being brought before that old Ginsu guy, as Jack says, because Jack nah. has to equip and make yep. funny whenever he can. And at first they're brought to a holding room and placed on like a raised platform. And as Rock steps away, a force field rises up to surround them. Strangely, there's no gloating from Rock. He's just like, you'll meet my master soon enough. That's how they should know something is amiss. Yes. Mm. Back on the ship, Coombs is freaking out and Felger. I keep wanting to call him Felger. Everybody call him Felger. I don't know Mm. why. I don't know. Felger's doing his best to keep him calm. Also, Felger doesn't know what a red shirt is. More Star Trek. And Dolok and another Jaffa then enter, but are soon shot in the back by other Jaffa. And one of them kicks the now dead Dolok and calls him a Shova. And like, oh, shit. <gasps> Uh-oh, it's going down. And then it looks like Felger and Coombs are going to be discovered. But luckily, the other Jaffa just leave. 
And Coombs is like really freaking out right now. Like he teaches applied math at Yale. He's not a soldier, but Felger immediately realizes something is something hinky is going on because he's pretty sure that Jafad don't just kill each other for shits and giggles. They need to figure out what's going on, but haha, he has a plan. Okay. So we then see Felger and Coombs ring down to the planet disguised in the now dead Jafad's Jafai uniforms <laughs> with like Sharpie. <laughs> On their yeah. forehead is the symbol. Oh my God. It's hilarious. And, and Coombs is wearing his glasses still. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, they walk by a whole bunch of Jaffa kind of, like, bowing and, like, you know. But, like, nobody's, like, stopping them. It seems to be going okay. And then once they're off a bit, they stop. And Coombs is, like, really super freaking out right now. Another Jaffa finds him and is like, what are you doing here? And Felger's like, Coombs is ill in a sort of, like, put-on Jaffa voice. Which yeah. I thought was great. Uh, yeah. Coombs vomits right on cue, and Felger zaps the Jaffa. Great. Excellent. Yay. Lord Kansu is in his throne room when Harak enters with a bunch of other Jaffa, including Felger and Coombs kind of hiding in the back. Kansu asks where SG-1 are, and Harak just tells him that SG-1 aren't his problem anymore and shoots him with his staff weapon. <gasps> the other Jaffa turn their staffs to Harak, who tells them that Kansu was a Tok'ra. It's like, oh, shit. This is the opposite of good right now. This is crap. so. Also, something that any mm-hmm. power-hungry Jaffa could do to a Gould, right? It's just shoot them true. and be like, "He was Chokra. Follow me." That that is that is very true. Yes, yeah. right. There was yeah. no questioning. Yeah, anything that just happened, everyone was just like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> well, Jaffa are kind of dumb. Yeah, the majority of them, I think. Follow they, me, brothers. Yes. He was Tok'ra. Right. Okay. So Harak declares himself in command now until their one true god Anubis returns. He then shoots Kansu again, who is now dead. Boo. He was pretty. He was. He was also in the pilot, not as Kansu. He was a different ghoul in the very first episode. But they brought oh, him really? they brought him back because he's just like he's very they're very he's very good at doing the evil Jaffa thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why they brought the actor back. Mm-hmm. So SG-1 are then brought in and told that Kansu is dead and that everybody knew he was Tok'ra. Jack and Tilk try and fight back a bit against Jaffa holding them, but it doesn't go well and they are zatted and knocked down. Harak takes up the pain stick and hits Jack with it. Harak wants the names of all of the Tok'ra currently like in Anubis's ranks. And they're like, well, Kansu's the only one who knew that, so you're kind of shit out of luck. And Sam tries to back Jack up, but any arguing is useless at this point. And one of my other favorite Jack lines. So Harak says, no matter what you have endured, you have never experienced the likes of what Anubis is capable of. To which Jack replies, you ended that sentence with a preposition. The way, way, way to get him, Jack. And he that, just goes, bastards. Bastard. Yes. Oh, that reminds me of a line he said earlier that I loved where... They were in the cell and the Jaffa comes in and like introduces himself and he's like, he asked him about his resume or something. Oh, yeah. And the Jaffa is just like, I captured you. And Jack's like, all right, well done. You get the job. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I like that. <laughs> the SG-1 are then dragged back out as Felger and Coombs just kind of stare after them because what can they do right now? Yeah, not much. Mm-hmm. Back at the SGC, Meyer stops by to check and see if there's been any word from SG-1, and Hammond does not really have good news. The SGC has been contacted by a rebel Jaffa that Kansu was exposed as a Tok'ra and killed. 
Anubis is on his way to Kansu's planet, and SG-1 are still in custody. Hammond, unfortunately, doesn't see any point in sending in forces for a rescue mission with how heavily guarded the planet is, and SG-1 are on their own for this one. Oopsie! A couple interesting things in the commentary. This scene was actually added later, like after filming, because the episode was running a little short. But it's one of the things where after they did it and then like they saw the whole episode, they're like, oh, yeah, that scene, we kind of needed that scene. Yeah. Kind of go back to that. Then the other thing is Martin's direction to Don and Gary in the scene was act like you have more hair. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I have no direct. They like those two guys know their job so well. He's like, I don't have just act like you have more hair. (laughs) Anyway. All righty then. So Felger and Coombs are creeping through the palace and Coombs just wants to head back to the SGC and get help. And Felger believes there's no point because even if they could get through the gate, SG-1 would likely be dead or gone elsewhere by the time they got back. They then enter a room that is empty except for a large pillar in the middle. He pushes a button. The pillar kind of slides open to reveal a control panel because this is the control room. It's what the sign outside on the wall said because Felger can read Gould. What? So they start moving crystals around and we get like diagrams and text popping up in like that sort of hologram display that all the gold use. So yay, something maybe good is maybe happening. Figure something out. Fingers crossed. Uh, SG-1 are back in that other holding room and Felger's voice comes over the intercom and lets SG-1 know like what's going on. Like we're in the control room, we can help. And Sam's like, this is great. Maybe they can find out, you know, where all the various systems are, including the force shields. Jack brings up that they need weapons. Coombs thinks there's an armory down at the end of the hall, or maybe it's a bathroom. He's not sure. Anyway, Felger's going to go get some weapons, head down to SG-1 cell while Coombs keeps working on trying to get the force shields down. Good plan. Yes. So Coombs gets the shield down and Felger's there with a bunch of zats. And while Jack is grateful that they've managed to be a little bit helpful at this point, Felger still disobeyed a direct order twice. And oh. Felger is, is appropriately kowtowed, but he, he, does, he has a plan. Do you want to hear? Like, you want to hear the rest of his plan? Because he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. So there is a shield surrounding the pyramid as a whole, which Coombs is still working on taking that out. Then SG One need to get through the dozen-ish or so Jaffa guarding the gate with really big guns, and then they just dial home. Easy, easy. This is what SG One yeah, does, right? Yeah. Just easy peasy, no problem. And Dex just kind of like, that. I love that whole thing. He's like, "Your SG One is what you do," and they all kind of look around like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> so Coombs is directing everybody to the exit, but then they come up to a door that they can't get open from the inside. And while they're waiting for Coombs to help, Felger's just like super stoked to be on a mission with SG ones, like sneaking through a gold pyramid. And the only thing that's missing is being chased by Jaffa. And then Tilk's like, Colonel O'Neill is like, it's not his fault. That was not my fault. I love that line. Fault. That was not me. No. So then they start like yelling at Coombs, like, get the door open. He's got it. They all hurry through. The door slides shut just as the Jaffa walk by and they're fine. So great. Awesome. They're out. It's time for Coombs to get his ass to a ring transporter so they can get the hell out of Dodge. Coombs opens the door to the control room to a large group of Jaffa. And oh, shit. Oopsie. Quickly close the door again and lock himself in. So out in the woods, Jack lays out the plan for how to take out Ajafa around the gate, and Felger is going to stay right there, and he's not going to move or help or do anything, even if Jack is writhing in pain. He just, he's going to stay where he is. Got it. 
So as SG-1 like runoffs start taking out Coombs radios that he needs help as the Jaffa have started breaking down the door. So SG-1 get all of the Jaffa taken care of and Felger comes running up to tell them that Coombs needs help. And they're like, well, <sighs> what now? Crap. I and thought it was really sweet, though. You hear him through the radio just being like, go without me, was fine, save yourselves. Like, he was being so brave. He was. and then But then Felger was like, you're not going to know. I'll come back for you. Like, it was. It was very sweet. Yeah. 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 He, he, he's like, take care of my cat. And like, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, he was being so heroic. He was. Um, and then Jack's like, okay, can we get ringed back in to go help? And they're like, you probably. So Jack and Dale get on the ring platform. They get back into the pyramid and back inside the control room, the crack on the door is getting bigger. Suddenly the banging stops and you hear like zap fire and staff blast outside. Things are then quiet for a moment before the banging on the door starts again. But this time it's Jack and Tilk. Yay! They've taken out those Jaffa. Time to get Coombs out of there. So. And his reaction was just so adorable. Of like, it was oh like, my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. Uh, I have to say at this point, I mean, I know we'll talk about when the episode's done in a few minutes, mm-hmm. but like this, the the actors that played Coombs and Felger, whom I, they are both awesome. I've mm-hmm. seen them in other things. Like they did play this situationally so so well like they were not campy they were just yes. like i am this weird funny dude in this weird funny situation yes. like they were perfectly cast yeah that martin yeah. did talk a bit about so trying to figure out how best to like direct this but then he's like no they like these two guys they aren't comedians feldron coombs they're not comedians they're just normal right. guys and like completely absurd situation and things yeah. happen to be funny about that And then they had apparently also talked about possibly with Tilk finding them hilarious. The rest of SG-1 are just like, these guys are morons and Tilk just is cracking up at like everything. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have been, yeah, a bit too much. Like, it's fine. Like, Mm -hmm. I I could see where they're coming from with that. But I was like, but then at the end, they're like, yeah, no, that wouldn't wouldn't have worked so well. Yeah. Okay, so everybody rings back outside where Sam, Jonas, and Felger are waiting with the gate open. Jaffa start running after them, and everybody goes through. Jack pauses to turn back and smirk at Harak because he's Jack. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Harak fires, hits the gate. Jack jumps through the gate. The gate closes. Everybody's fine. Yay! Uh, sometime later at the SGC, there is a ceremony where Hammond is presenting Felger and Coombs with the Air Force Civilian Award for Valor. Fun fact, this is a real award. Oh, cool. The purpose is to recognize an act of heroism with voluntary risk of personal safety in the face of danger, either on or off the job. Aww. Yep. So uh, as far as eligibility, uh, all Air Force civilian employees who exhibited great courage and voluntarily risked personal safety beyond the call of duty, such as approaching or entering a burning aircraft in an attempt to rescue trapped victims. Oh, okay. That is verbatim from the, like, Mm -hmm. I found the form. I found, like, the form for if you want to submit somebody for this award. Oh, wow. Okay. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. So as far as the actual medal itself, uh, I found a picture of it. Oh, okay. Um, It's a gold-colored medal bearing the Air Force Thunderbolt on an equilateral triangle surmounted by the Air Force Eagle perched on a scroll inscribed Valor with an olive branch. 
The ribbon is light blue with four yellow stripes, two dark blue stripes, and one red stripe in the center, which looks nothing like the medals that get pinned on them. I was just going to say that doesn't sound right for them. No. (laughs) (laughs) For what they actually got. Yeah, I mean, and that may have been one of those things where, like, they can't give the actual thing because of Air Force rules, you know? So it makes sense. But anyway. So then Jack is the one who actually pins the medals on them, despite the fact that they disobeyed orders twice. And truthfully, SG-1 wouldn't be there without their help. Jack and Sam shake their hands, Sam giving Coombs a little kiss on the cheek. Then she just, like, grabs Felger's face and just plants big honk kiss on him. Just, like, and it goes into slow-mo. And it's like, okay, what's happening here? And then you hear somebody, like, yelling his name. And we flash back, and he's just in his lab on base and Coombs is there asking for the calibration scales for the ring power sword and he's like yeah here you go and then they go geek nerd and the end so yeah they I I do think they should have done a way better job of of where the imagining happens yes because it's just supposed to be the kiss yeah no the, the whole ceremony is actually oh which I I like it where it's just like the kiss where he's reliving the ceremony and then just continues what did happen. Yeah, and being like, I like oh. Yeah. Okay, I, I thought it was just the kiss. Okay, whole yeah. ceremony. Apparently, okay, so this is um this is a quote from Joseph Malazzi when he did a chat with Gate World. Uh, he says, It was never intended to be all in Felger's head, just the ceremony. However, watching the finished episode, we realized, uh-oh, people are going to think it was all it daydream and i've read some pretty convincing arguments for why it should be a daydream but and then uh martin wood on the commentary also confirmed that no this episode did happen except for that last scene that's all yeah the daydream so yeah okay because they were very brave and did charged into the face of danger and they should get awarded for it they should have but yeah they totally should have made a better distinction that it was all the ceremony that was fake yeah I don't know how they would have, though. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, aside from, like, cheesy, wavy lines or, like, a dream something. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Something. Yeah. It's tricky for sure. Something off about it of, like, I don't know, weird, crazy paparazzi there or, like, crazy, weird celebrities also being there that don't make (laughs) sense. Apparently, at one point, Christopher... Christopher Judge suggested, like, when they cut to the crowd for, like, the yay applause reaction after the ceremony, just Tilk giving them, like, two big thumbs up with, like, a massive smile on his face. Like, that would have been a tip off that that wasn't real, I think, if you just have Tilk going, hey, you know. And, like, oh, yeah, and, you know, like, some sort of NBA star still in his uniform and, like, (laughs) something like that where you're like, hmm. This this isn't real. That's not how this happened. Yeah. Somebody who's supposed to be dead, like Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) I say supposed to be because Elvis could still be that. Or or like, no, because he's Felger, he's a scientist. It would be like Albert Einstein or something, right? Yes, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I try try to think of like a recognizable scientist. Like Albert (laughs) Einstein. That's that's the guy you get. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so the title, The Other Guys, well, you know, Velger and Coombs, they're The Other Guys, probably, like, all the time, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple fun, fair, fun foreign territory titles. Oh, we do? In, okay. in French, this was called Act of Bravery. Oh, yes. In Spanish, it was called The Other Heroes. Okay. 
in Czech, it was called Heroes. Okay. Which I have made now a note for myself when we get to season seven, what Czech called the episode Heroes in season seven. Could just, again, be heroes. Could just, again, be heroes. Yeah. Like, we forgot. And then in German, it was True Heroes. Oh, I thought it was just going to be like Felger and Koontz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be holding true, but no. They're or like, <laughs> no, it could have been like Toker Revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Toker <laughs> Double Cross. <laughs> Something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So that's the other guys. I liked it. I liked it very much. As soon as, you know, they started saying some of the lines I remembered, I was like, oh, that's right. This one. This is an awesome one. And I loved it the whole uh, the whole way. I, I very much enjoyed the tone and the comedy and the yes. humor of the situation. Yes. More of those, please. Yes, I liked it too. This is this is not one of the season six episodes where I'm like, it's fine. No, I like I like this one. This one's Yay. good. Finally. Yeah. Okay. I know. Yay. <laughs> we have somewhere up towards the top of best TV episode ever on a television set to grace a TV yes. and or streaming device. Yes. Slightly <laughs> up there. Okay. Up and to the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Liked it. Yes, enjoyed it very much. Yes. Yay! Oh, one of so again, there was like the sort of like behind the scenes production thing for it, and they talked a bit about the kiss at the end, and they were like teasing Amanda because Sam kissed somebody and they lived, because <laughs> like everybody Sam's kisses like died, you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> she didn't really though, so still works. Yes, so it's okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch and now on Discord. Please check the link in the show notes or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Allegiance. Bye. Bye. when you are ready. Okay. Wait. <laughs> okay, now you may proceed. Can you put that at the end of the episode? <laughs> uh, I just might. Is there anybody still listening? If you listen after the outro song, you're welcome. <laughs> okay. All right. Ready, ready, ready. Me, 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 me.